It's been about a week since a massive oil spill covered the Southern California shoreline near Orange County. Tar has dirtied sand and poisoned sensitive wetlands. Birds and fish died. Beaches continue to be closed. The LA Times newsroom has filed over 100 stories trying to understand what happened. And what they found so far isn't pretty. Aging offshore oil platforms and pipelines. Companies with a history of safety violations buying them up. Will this combo lead to more oil spills in the future? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Today, we speak to LA Times investigative reporter Connor Sheets on what we know about the causes of the so-called Huntington Beach oil spill. And then Miyoko Sakashita, director of the Center for Biological Diversity's Ocean Program, will tell us what she found when she and others visited Southern California's offshore drilling platforms in 2018. First, a recap. I started to feel a little bit of my throat hurt and, and and you can feel the vapor in the air. I saw what I'll describe as little pancake clusters of oil along the shoreline. And I've described it as something like an egg yolk. If you push it, it kind of spreads out. I rescued this little cormorant bird. Um, he was struggling, he has oil all over his body. This is from the oil spill in Huntington Beach, California. But I had to rescue this guy. He was going back out in the water and he is struggling. Oil has been washing up on Southern California beaches all week since a leak in an underwater pipeline sent thousands of gallons of heavy crude into ocean waters. The spill has fouled the sands of Huntington Beach and could keep some beaches closed for weeks or longer. We have over 800 personnel assigned to this effort, assigned with our unified command that are working on the water and onshore from Huntington Beach down to Oceanside. Investigators determined the breached underwater oil pipeline off Southern California was likely struck by an anchor several months to a year ago. Connor, welcome to The Times. Thank you. As we just heard, there's been talk that the likely cause of the oil spill was a ship anchor that tore open a pipeline. What's the latest we know about its origins and the damage it has caused? So at this point, we don't know for sure what the uh, what the cause is, but somehow an anchor would have dragged across the pipeline, dragged it maybe 150 feet. And the CEO of the company that owns the pipeline, Amplify, uh, described it as pulling it like a bowstring. And at some point that uh, somehow broke a hole in the pipeline that allowed the oil to release. And what we know is that oil's washing up on shore in Huntington Beach. We know it's washing up on shore in Laguna Beach and other parts of uh, the Orange County coastline. It's actually now encroaching on waters in San Diego County. And it's continuing to have a massive impact on the environment and economies of those areas. And also a lot of economic damage to the cities affected in Orange County. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing uh, beach closures, which has a far reaching impact on tourism, on, um, you know, local businesses, and then also the economic impact of having to clean it up. So, yeah, it's really a, a, a catastrophe. When the CEO of Amplify said like, oh, yeah, the pipeline got stretched out like a bowstring, he makes it seem like, oh, somebody just played the guitar under the sea or something like no big deal. But are accidents like that common? And do anchors really pull pipelines out that far and easy like that? I don't, I don't think we've heard of this happening. Basically, 
you know, it, it seems unlikely that this would have happened. I mean, the, the concept that an anchor would have been in the place where it was and that would have dragged, I mean, for it, for it to drag, there has to be a huge amount of wind or something else that would cause a boat that has a 30-ton anchor or something that, that's buried 10 feet deep. For that to drag that many feet would require quite the, um, you know, what weather incident. So, um, it's you know it's 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 not something that's common, and we don't really understand how it would have happened. But that is the operating theory at this time. You mentioned the company that owns the oil rig that's connected to this pipeline, Amplify, and the company has gone through a bankruptcy. Also has a pattern of changing ownership. Why does this background concern activists? Basically, what's been going on in recent years is that these pipelines and uh, and oil rigs used to always be owned generally by like Shell or one of these gigantic companies that have the resources to make the necessary upgrades and changes and pay for the, you know, inspections and the equipment needed to keep them in operating order. But now we're seeing, you know, as we're moving away from fossil fuels slowly, um, some of these platforms, such as the ones that we're talking about off the coast of Southern California, some of them have been sold to these companies that don't have those levels of resources. And so there's questions of, you know, was Amplify doing everything that was necessary to keep these things running properly? And, uh, you know, and when you look back at their history, they were originally known as Memorial Partners. And uh, and that was up until 2017, they went by that name. And then they declared bankruptcy and came out of bankruptcy as Amplify. And we also see a history of workplace incidents involving people getting injured. Also, about 125 various uh, warnings and incidents I think about 70 of which actually led to equipment being shut down temporarily. So a lot of that is troubling when you look back and say, what caused this? What could have been done? And you also spoke with someone who was part of the commission that investigated that humongous oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010, the Deepwater Horizon disaster. What did he say? I mean, so he was particularly worried about aging infrastructure. And, uh, you know, he was saying with uh, these smaller companies that don't have the resources to put in place the types of controls that might prevent this type of thing, you know, where are we left right now? Are we left with a bunch of operators off the coast that are not being properly regulated? There's questions about the regulation that was going on at the federal and state level. Any of these rigs are potentially massive disasters in waiting. And uh, if they're not being regulated properly, that's a whole other world of questions. We'll be back after this break. Connor, in 1994, California banned new offshore oil rigs. It was part of an effort going back to the 1960s where there was this infamous disaster off the coast of Santa Barbara where 3 million gallons of crude oil spilled. But the oil spill this month in Orange County, it happened in federal waters and the state can't ban oil platforms there. So what are local lawmakers trying to do to fight that? There's been a call now from Congress, uh, you know, a number of people in Congress from California, but also across the country to try to support federal efforts to just put in, in place some kind of ban or limitations or extra regulations on the oil industry, uh, particularly offshore oil industry. And at the same time, they're, they're trying to find a way to have an offshore oil drilling ban also instituted. But, you know, that's all remains to be seen. And every time we have one of these oil spills, there's calls from environmentalists and from progressive lawmakers to rein in the industry or do something to try to make sure this doesn't happen again. And then a couple of years later, we see it happen again. So, you know, some people aren't as hopeful about it, but there is a push at this moment to try to do something about it. 
I heard that Amplify, the company at the center of this oil spill, had planned to do new drilling at the LE platform right around now. What's the latest on that? Uh, in an earnings call in August, one of the Amplify executives said that they planned to begin new drilling off some existing wells uh, off the coast of Southern California at some of the rigs in question, beginning as soon as October 1st or throughout the fourth quarter of 2021. So, uh, you know, it's possible that that work was already underway. And, uh, you know, we still don't have clear answers to questions about whether that might have played a role in in the oil spill. And uh, there was also upgrades to the oil rig facility and and infrastructure that were supposed to be taking place uh, around the same time. So some of this work is going on and perhaps not enough regulation. It's almost inevitable that we'll continue to see spills from time to time. Connor, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much. In a press release, Amplify Company says its production and pipeline operations where LE is located have been shut down. As the investigation continues, there are still questions about what happened during the 15 hours after the first reports of oil in the water. The Times reports that this gap remains one of the least understood and potentially most vital part of the oil spill. Amplify Energy Chief Executive Martin Wilshire has been evasive about these crucial hours, and Amplify officials did not respond to requests for comments by LA Times reporters. In 2018, Miyoko Sakashita, Ocean's Program Director for the Center for Biological Diversity, was part of a fact-finding cruise along the California coast to inspect about a dozen oil platforms. She and other environmental advocates immediately told anyone who'd listen about the bad shape that they were in, even back then. Miyoko, welcome to The Times. Thank you. It's nice to be here talking to you. What was your reaction upon hearing about this most recent oil spill off the coast of Huntington Beach? Well, the immediate reaction was that it's just a devastating thing to have happen off of our coast. I mean, you see an oiled bird and it's just incredibly heartbreaking. And just to know that miles and miles of our coast are being, you know, harmed by this terrible oil spill, just was a terrible reminder that offshore drilling is dirty and dangerous and it shouldn't be in our oceans. As I said earlier, you and other environmental advocates went up close to these oil platforms off the California coast back in 2018. Can you describe what you saw then? Yes, it was um, a trip where we took a boat and we got in these Zodiacs and took them around the various platforms, the offshore drilling platforms off of Southern California. And this set, Platform Ellie and, and the other cluster there of platforms, were the first ones we visited. Yeah, LA is the name of the platform connected to the pipeline where the leak occurred. That's correct. And the thing that was most notable, um, well, these are huge, ominous structures, first of all. And from the distance that we could get, which was about 300 meters away, you could just see that they were old, um, aging infrastructure, very rusty, and it was just so clear that these things have been out there for far too long. And really, we should not be using them to to drill for oil anymore. They're really just ticking time bombs waiting for an accident like this to happen. And you were able to see those conditions over 300 meters, like about a 1,000 feet. 
you could see the rest on the platforms from there. I mean, these things are out there in the waves getting, you know, battered by wind and waves and storms. So, and the seawater is just incredibly corrosive. And you can imagine after being out there for 40 years, they're not in good condition. And up and down the coast, there's about 23 of these platforms and they all suffered conditions like that. The other thing we were looking for where um, we had a thermal camera to look for leaks of methane. And one thing we saw in this cluster of platforms was some flaring going on. And usually their flaring's not supposed to be happening in federal waters. So literally just fire, just fires being set to make sure things don't explode. So when an oil and gas rig is um, getting too much gas out and they can't process it quickly enough, sometimes they'll light it on fire. So you'll see a flare coming out with, that's burning the methane off into the atmosphere. When we look back at the environmental documents when these platforms were first built, you know, the intended lifespan of them was supposed to be about 35 years, at which point they would be decommissioned. And we're far beyond that now. And so it's really time to hasten them <laughs> to their end and put the decommission every single one of California's platforms. They're all that same vintage and time to be done. Who regulates these oil rigs? Like who, who makes sure that, hey, they shouldn't be so decrepit, they should be decommissioned? Who's in charge of all this? Well, these platforms are in federal waters. So the federal waters ones are overseen by an agency called the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management and another bureau, Bessie, that's supposed to be a, a regulator of these offshore platforms. And the one thing that you see with you know these regulators is that they often are mostly in the business of granting drilling permits and and in my view, not doing enough on the side of really providing robust oversight to make sure we have um, our environment protected and human health and safety protected as well. So then it, that's when it takes activists or advocates like yourself to then pressure the local politicians and basically try to go up the change to pressure the people who are supposed to be in charge of all this. Yes. <laughs> and I think that, you know, everybody who's been affected by this spill, I mean, this, these are iconic um, beaches in Southern California and the people just, you know, they're famous surfing beaches. People love being out on the beaches and in the water. And I think every single one of them should be contacting their local representatives. I mean, this is not just a federal waters issue, though. Not only are we looking at platforms that are have outlived their lifespan in federal waters, but also there are platforms in, in state waters that continue to issue new permits for drilling. I mean, the oil spill is completely devastating to wildlife. At the same time, there's ongoing pollution from all the drilling that's permitted in California that is contributing to climate change. And so if Governor Newsom and President Biden are are clear about their climate goals to reduce global warming and climate change, then continuing to permit new drilling is just taking us in the wrong direction. And so we really should be calling on them all to stop issuing new drilling permits. If anything, we should be phasing out existing drilling. 
This sadly isn't the first devastating oil spill in California. In fact, the 1969 Santa Barbara oil spill, which had 3 million gallons spill out, it started the push to ban offshore drilling in California. And also it was a catalyst for an entire generation of environmental activists that led to also the founding of Earth Day. And what's interesting to me about oil spills is like, you'll see news accounts about rivers getting poisoned with mercury or other chemicals and people get upset about that. But anytime you hear about oil spills, it seems to really galvanize people, really upset them. What is it about them that affects the public so much? First of all, I mean, the stench (laughs) from an oil spill, anybody in the area, I mean, there were reports of people smelling the oil um, far before any of the, the oil spill was even reported officially. And so I think one thing is, is that it is a very visceral experience to to be near the oil spill. And also just the devastating images of, you know, fish and birds washing up dead on shore, the coastline being blackened by the the toxic oil sludge. It's really a visual reminder of how sensitive our environment is and how damaging oil can be on our ecosystems. And the effects are so long-term. I mean, what we're seeing now is kind of unfolding over a few days and weeks, but but the true toll of the, the oil spill could be, you know, many years from now. And for example, the you know, Exxon Valdez spill up in Alaska, even 25 years later, they were still finding oil on the shores and still had um, problems with the fisheries that were impacted by the oil. Miyoko, what's been the biggest hurdle for lawmakers or advocates who try to make change and stop offshore drilling? I mean, even in this platform in question, they were planning to start drilling again before this accident happened. That's correct. And the biggest hurdle, I would say, is just our longstanding legacy of being committed to fossil fuels. And you look at, for example, the state of California. I mean, California is essentially an oil state. And we're the seventh nation's seventh largest producer of oil. And it's really entrenched in um, fossil fuels and continuing to drill for oil. So I think both federally and at the state level, there's a lot of momentum that has continued to keep us on the fossil fuel path. But it's time to break that and move away from our commitment to fossil fuels. I would hope that this oil spill will serve as a wake-up call to a lot of California's um, leaders, both federal and state, that it's time to to stop um, our commitment to oil and move away from it. Miyoko Sakashita is Ocean's Program Director for the Center for Biological Diversity. Thank you so much for this conversation. Yeah, it was nice to talk to you. Thank you, Gustavo. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, speaking of ecological doom, the masters of disasters convene anew to talk about something we all do. Breathe dirty air. Our show is produced by Shanna Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. 
Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Eapin. Special thanks to all my LA Times colleagues, photographers, editors, data team, investigations, and the mighty Metro Desk for their continuing coverage of the Huntington Beach oil spill. You can catch the latest updates at latimes.com. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias. <laughs>